Hey everyone, we just finished uh, recording an episode with one of our mentors, our sisters, Dr. Mindy Peltz. Mm -hmm. And uh, like always, whenever we get a chance to chat with Mindy, it's always fun and she's so exciting and so engaging and uh, so passionate about what she does and it's just infectious to listen to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a great conversation around menopause, perimenopause, women's hormones in general, and really big picture stuff of how these transitions bring up so many emotions and how we really need to change the lens in which we are looking at these changes that happen in women's lives. Yeah, and you guys went into a deep dive uh, for those uh, women that are really interested in learning how to implement fasting into their routine. So you're going to find out a ton of great information on how to how to exercise that fasting muscle throughout your monthly cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she kind of goes through five pillars of hers that she used as she was transitioning and period menopause that you can implement at home every day just as lifestyle changes so it's a really good one to listen to yeah. so, enjoy. enjoy welcome to the health ignited podcast with your hosts dr nick and sonia jensen we are partners parents business partners doctors yoga teachers and retreat leaders we promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Health Ignited, Dr. Nick and myself, Dr. Sonia, and today I'm super excited to be interviewing one of my soul sisters, Dr. Mindy Peltz. So we met Mindy several years ago now. And I think one of the things that really inspire us about Dr. Mindy is her, um, her laugh, for sure, and her energy <laughs> and her motivation and just her drive to really make a difference in the world. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, uh, Mindy's energy is infectious. I mean, the moment we got a chance to meet her, it was like, it was excitement and joy and and uh, curiosity and you know since then we've got got to see her as a mentor and, and see her you know educate so many people on on the principles that, that we love to teach on and it's been an absolute joy uh, to to watch you grow and to to be a part of the journey with you, Mindy. Uh, you guys, what what an intro! Thank you so much. <laughs> Normally, I get read like the same thing over and over again. That that was incredible, and I was laughing because to myself because I was thinking, yeah, the first time we met, you were in starvation mode. <laughs> Were not <Yeah>. you fast? <laughs> Those are first experience of yeah. fasting, and I wanted to punch people. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. any joyful person coming to you at that point was probably like a, a drink of water, you know, or a right, bite of exactly. food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look but, where we are now. Right? right. Exactly. But I love you guys, and thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being such an inspiration, like Nick was saying, too. It's just watching you grow and watching you inspire thousands and thousands of people. It's just, um, it gives hope, I think, especially mm -hmm. in a time like now, in this last year, it just gives a lot of hope and faith to us and also to other individuals that, you know, we can focus on what we can control. Yeah. And I think that's one of your biggest teachings. And Today, we're going to dive into menopause and fasting and women's cycles and transitions and all the juicy stuff. So 
maybe you can start off with talking a little bit about your story and why you feel like it's so important to change the conversation around menopause. Yeah. Oh, it's well said for sure. Um, you know, when I hit 40, I had really one goal and that was to fit into my skinny jeans. <laughs> I actually, the funny part of that story is, do you know, what are those jeans? I think they're called Hudson's that have the little pocket on the back of them. And they were like all the rage when I turned 40, but I had like a little muscle butt. And so I I needed to like reduce down the muscle butt so I could look good in those jeans. I kid you not. Like that's all I wanted. I, I just want to look good in a pair of Hudson jeans. Good to have a goal. <laughs> it was a little bit of a shallow goal, but my best friend looked amazing in these Hudson jeans and she had long legs and a thin butt. So anyways, that was my goal. It's like, okay, I'm gonna look good in Hudson jeans. So um, I went sliding into 40 doing what everybody, I think, what a lot of women do to get fit, which is exercise a whole bunch and eat a whole lot less. And um, at that time I was paleo. I didn't really know about the ketogenic diet. Um, and uh, so I, I accomplished my goal at 40. Within three years, between 40 and 43, my mental health just unraveled. And it was pretty much started with, I'm not sleeping, which was really weird because I'm a really, I notoriously been a great sleeper. I could sleep anywhere, anytime, but all of a sudden I was waking up two, three times a night. And then I would have to wake up and I was drenched in sweat and I'd have to get up, change the sheets. I had like, I'd lay out like three different types of uh, pajamas for myself because I knew I was gonna have to get up and totally change my clothes. I even got to the point where I didn't wanna wake Sequoia up to get him out of bed to change the sheets. So I had a sleeping bag next to me that I would change my, my outfit and then I would pull the sleeping bag into bed with me because my sheets were so wet. I mean, it was horrific. And then that kind of led to uh, um, a lot of depression, anxiety. And I'd never really understood clinical depression before. Um, you know, I, I understood bad days, but I didn't really get that people who are depressed are just, they can't see the upside of life. They're just neurochemically off. And I started to experience that for the first time. And there was no reason for me to be depressed. I just was sad all the time. Um, and then it actually finally led till about at 43 that I was like, this is hell in my brain that I, I like had suicidal thoughts. I was like, I'm not sure I, I can do this. This is horrible. So I went looking for answers and that really was what launched this journey because the answers I got were either from my friends who had gone through it kind of laughed at me and said, buck up. This is the way this is menopause. You're in it. You know, it's hell. Now, you know what we've been going through for the last several years. Um, my sister, I was like, okay, well, let me go to my older sister and, you know, see what her experience has been. And she's like, oh, I just got on antidepressants and I was fine. And I knew that wasn't an option for me. And then one day I was at um, a science fair of, for my kid's school and I was standing next to one of the very well-respected OBs uh, at, at, in the school. And I was like, I don't normally talk shop to people at that point, but I was desperate. So I turned to her and I told her what I was experiencing. And I said, 
do you, you know, what do you think I should do? And she like stopped looking. It was such a profound moment because she, we were looking at this science experiment. She stopped looking at it. She turned and looked at me and she said, Mindy, I have a practice full of women with these symptoms and my medical textbooks have failed me. I have no idea what to do with these symptoms. And then she turned it on me and said, what are you doing naturally for them? And I left that moment and I said, okay, if it's happening to every woman, there has to be something environmental that is causing so many women to have these menopause experience, this, the, these symptoms. And that just launched me to, to find my own journey and to figure out, I, I was clear I wasn't going to do this with medication. So that's how I came up with five things that I really needed to change in my lifestyle that were, I wasn't attending to. And um, I really have come to this place now that we can really use lifestyle as we go through our perimenopausal years, but we have to be aware that the lifestyle has to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you brought up so many um, good points in that story with uh, even your older sister saying that she just went on antidepressants and there's so many women misdiagnosed and it's just, they don't understand that that drop in those hormones, especially testosterone, one hormone that's not actually talked about in perimenopause, menopause, and progesterone and estrogen is going to yeah. cause that dread in our bodies because there's yeah. so much havoc going on all at once. And these hormones are just communicating what the environment is telling them. So we'd love for you to maybe go over those five things that you um, realized or changed or know that lifestyle factors make a difference in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I heard something about progesterone uh, the other day that I loved that progesterone is the hormone that says everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I was missing. <laughs> I mean, and it's, and it's so easy when that hormone goes away for us to look outside ourselves if you don't have the hormone telling you everything's going to be okay, then you, your brain starts to find all the things that aren't okay. It's really, I, I wish if I could go back and talk to my 30 year old self, I'd be like, love, love on that progesterone girl. because <laughs> You're so lucky to have it. Best friend. <laughs> She's your best friend. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the five things that I really worked on, and I think that, that to give it some context, and I know you guys know this, and just to fill the audience in, is after 40, I really have started now that I'm 51, seeing that it is this process where your ovaries are like, I'm done. Like I've shown up for you every month and I've got some remaining eggs in here and I'm just going to slowly back out and it's going to take me about 10 or 15 years to just kind of back out of this gig and I'm going to hand the job over to your adrenal glands. So just know that I'm in retirement. I'm just going to slowly back away. <laughs> and I don't think I realized that. I think I was like, just took my ovaries for granted that they would just be there to make hormones for me and show up the way I wanted them to show up. So when I look at the five things, I really, to me, it's like a gift to my ovaries and to my body to say, hey, you know what? I honor that you've done your job. And I think, I've, Sonia, I've told you this before that I had this moment one in meditation one day where I just wept out of appreciation for my ovaries because I was like, you, you showed up for me month after month after month, and you gave me two of the greatest joys of my life, which are my children. 
And now you're going away and you're not giving me hormones and I don't want to villainize you. I want to, res- I want to honor you and thank you. So I've actually spent a lot of time just appreciating these incredible, this incredible organ. Um, but the five things that really have to change as your ovaries start to make their retirement tour, that's, that's what I'm going to call it. Sure. <laughs> as they're saying their goodbyes. To as, they're saying, as they're telling the other organs they can't yeah. be there anymore for them. Like the time, but the time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is, uh, the first one is I, I changed how often I ate. So as you guys know, um, you know, I just had to stop eating all day and I, I honestly grew up in the breakfast is the best meal of the day club. You know, that was what I thought. So I moved into learning how to fast, which was really key, especially for any woman who wants to keep her weight down. I found that when I fasted more, I didn't have to work out as much. And I really liked that as a tool. The second thing is I started varying my foods. So, uh, you know, keto is definitely super helpful to the perimenopausal woman, but too much keto, as you guys know, is, is really hard on progesterone. So I had to learn how to use food as well as fasting to heal me and how to vary both of those, which that's an art onto itself. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is I dove into the microbiome and like, I, I started to see like, oh my God, we have a whole set of bacteria that break estrogen down. And I like went down a rabbit hole of like, okay, well, let me, let me figure out what the strains of bacteria are. And let me figure out what foods are there that I can like help support these bacteria. And so I became obsessed with my microbiome and feeding it to try to help to balance hormones. Um, detox was the fourth one. Uh, I, my lead for sure came out and really led to the depression. Um, and so I learned how to detox. And then the last one you taught me, Dr. Sonia, you get the credit for this one. Um, and that was rushing woman syndrome and I'm still working on it. I'm getting there. Uh, but really learning to slow down, to say no. I started building buffers into my schedule where like Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, I don't, you know, if somebody invites me to go somewhere, unless it's a profound event, I say, no, those are my time for myself. Uh, I changed my workouts. I stopped running all the time, started doing more yoga and weightlifting and like just really trying to reorganize my rushing life. And there, those are the five things that I keep coming back to. So whenever something goes off, I just go, okay, where am I with these five things? You know, for example, um, so I'm 51 now. I thought I was like a, a month or two ago. I'm like, oh, I think I'm, I'm officially going into menopause. Like I didn't have a cycle for a while. And then this little mo- voice in the back of my head was like, yeah, but you've been under a lot of stress lately. I wouldn't be surprised if progesterone's just hiding and that you uh, appear to be going into menopause and not having a cycle, but it's really because you tanked your progesterone again. And uh, sure enough, you know, I got my cycle this week after two weeks of de-stressing. So, so I've just learned to use those as, as ways to navigate this without medication. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's it's all self-inquiry, right? You've been in that space of self-inquiry and really understanding um, what needs to happen. So I talk about self-care. Our youngest is at home today. So Dr. Nick's just going to step out. That's awesome. Um, he's not feeling well. So yeah, I think that piece is so important that you said those five things of just like recognizing where you're off. So it kind of takes the stress away, 
from having mm. to know everything all yeah. the time too, right? It gives women a little bit of freedom to be like, okay, these are my pillars and which part of my pillar am I not serving right now? And I think one thing that you brought up that is important to speak about is when the ovaries are saying goodbye, there's grief that happens, mm. right? Mm. I think a lot of women don't, um, aren't maybe aware that there's grief happening in the body and the mind. So when we are going through perimenopause or menopause and you're having all these other feelings about your world outside of you, there really, there's this moment of grief that needs to be honored. So I think mm -hmm. what you did was so beautiful. And I think I'm hoping that all the women that are listening today really take that piece to heart because mm -hmm. it really is an honoring in the body. And it starts so young, wouldn't you say? Like when we're in our um, teens or even younger and learning about the period or when it shows up, it's like, it's an inconvenient right away. Right. And that's where I try to teach a lot of young women of like, no, this is something that's really going to serve you. And, yeah. you know, you hear so many women saying, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just going to do the shot. So I don't have to have my period, or I'm just going to do the IUD. So I don't have to have my period. And there's this interesting relationship, but then menopause comes and it shows you the gift that it really was because yep. then we miss it. Yeah, we, we miss those feelings. We miss the ups and downs because there's this numbness that kind of shows up. So when you came to know these pillars, how were you able to, um, you know, satisfy your body's needs and then satisfy your mind's needs and satisfy also your needs as a woman moving through this time with a family? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, and let me say one other thing on what you were saying about why, about how, I mean, this is the way I interpreted what you said is I feel like when we turn, when we go into puberty, there's a couple of things that happen. So one is, I don't know about you, but the sex ed that I got or the, the health talk that I got at 13 was you're bleeding now. Uh, here's how you manage blood and you can get pregnant. That to me, that limited education has to stop. Um, there, we need to help girls see, hey, here's one estrogen. You need to make estrogen. Here's what progesterone's doing. Here's what hap is happening when you ovulate. T testosterone's coming in. Like I have, I'm visioning a world where we start to teach girls what the different ebbs and flows of their her cycle looks like, and not just tell her to, you know take, well, at least the way I was told was take Midol for your cramps and, you know, buck up because it, it sucks yeah. or birth control pill. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I see a world where we're going to go back and we're going to help the younger girls see how they can do this differently. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I think that menopausal women don't understand, or, and I, I put myself in this category is that when you look at a, a girl that goes who is 13, just getting her cycle for, for the first time, it takes a couple of years for the brain and the ovaries to get a groove with each other. And I it's, and we honor that and we know that, but then when we come to menopause, we don't honor the fact that it takes a couple of years for it to undo its groove. So this idea that menopause is a switch that just gets turned on and one day you're in it and the next day you're out of it, like we need to get rid of that. That's the first thing. And so my goal, and this is one of my, my visions for the menopause reset, is that with that book, it gets in every 40-year-old's hands. And maybe we can put it together with your book. We'll do it like a package. That's ah, now my now my visioning. Right? Mine goes into like the beginnings of yeah. what you were just speaking to of what your hormones are doing and when you're getting your period and putting that together. Yeah. 
because it because it's it if you if I had known going into 40 what was about to hormonally change for me, I could have saved myself a decade of suffering. I'm not going to lie. Like it really, I always say menopause is an extreme sport, but it didn't have to be. And it was just because every time a new symptom came up, I had to go do the research to figure out what lifestyle had to match it. So each of those five things were really created out of necessity when they showed up. And now that I've been working those five things for so long, I really understand like, oh, like one of the most recent ones that I've been thinking about is my skin. You know, as you go into menopause, the first year you're in menopause, you lose 30% of your collagen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that sucks. (laughs) That's a lot. Can can we talk about that for a moment? But, you know, like I'm not going to go do Botox. I'm not going to, you know, use harsh chemicals on my face. I'm committed to doing this naturally. Mm -hmm. So, but now that I understand what's why I look more wrinkled, why my skin is so dried, why when I'm drinking water, I never feel like I'm fully hydrated, why I'm my back hurts a little more when I go run, like I go, Oh, there's, I don't have as much collagen. Okay. What, what tools do I now have to raise collagen up? Mm -hmm. So I've been doing juve, the red light therapy, and I've been doing more collagen powder. And so I think that what the big aha on both of these times of life is we need a toolbox to manage it. Mm -hmm. And then you, once you understand it, you know, which tool to pull out for which symptom. So I think that has been really helpful and put me at ease. I no longer feel like, oh, I just want to get on the other side of menopause. I feel like I just know what I need as the symptoms show up. And that is what I, a gift I would love every woman to experience. And I also think we really, there's so much we can do with our hormones with lifestyle. And the modern lifestyle is really out of congruency with hormonal health. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. When I'm, you know, speaking with women, I often bring up the fact that, you know, maybe a hundred years ago, women were living in a village style uh, community. So even raising your family, you weren't doing alone. You were doing it within the village. And, you know, many were feeding off of the land and were were more connected with the land. And, you know, the roles of women have changed too. And this can be a whole other real podcast, really, since the, the feminist movement, which was a necessary thing to really help, you know, break that glass ceiling and make our voices heard and very, very necessary. And it also tipped the scale in this interesting way where there's confusion on like, okay, well, what is my role now? And so what we, what happened is um, things shifted. So the homemaker, you know, the one that's cooking and cleaning and nurturing all of a sudden the, the lens that we were looking at that position with changed. Instead of honoring the mother and honoring the woman that's, you know, the center of a community where we're like, well, no, I need to be the CEO or I need to be in this fast paced world and be on par with men. And I think we lost sight of our true power and our gift that we don't, we were already beyond them. Right, right, right. (laughs) And and my husband will agree when he comes back. And I think it created confusion, not only in our minds, but in our physiology. So our physiology is now just trying to navigate this new way of being. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's going to take time. And you alluded to the journey of, you know, when we first start our periods to when we're going to be releasing that time, it's not a switch. 
I love that you said that because it, it really is a journey and it's such a powerful journey if you anchor into the things that you're speaking to. Yeah. So one yeah. of the first things you said that was one of your pillars was um, fasting. So I'd love for you to speak a little bit more about um, fasting and women and how we need to do it differently because you're really great at educating on that because that is so true. And I am definitely a subject of that. Yeah, you <laughs> can see a difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Huge yeah. difference in um, changing the way I fast to mean trying to keep up with the, with the way Nick was fasting. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So when you start to understand that as a woman, you just have to fast differently. So I'd love yeah. for you to talk a little bit about that and how that supports women in perimenopause and menopause. Yeah, it's such a good discussion. And one that there's a, just like the ovaries are slowly backing away, you know, learning how to fast for your hormones, wherever you are in your cycle, there's an art to it. So as you hear, if you're hearing this for the first time, know that it, there's some practice and, and the more you do it, the more you really get in sync with it. So for the menopausal woman, and when I say menopausal, to me, that term is perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. So it encompasses it all. One of the things that happens as estrogen starts to decline is we become more insulin resistant. And there's no better tool in the toolbox to undo insulin resistance than fasting. Now, I think, I mean, don't you think sure. it's- sure better than exercise, better than like, it is the most amazing tool. Mm -hmm. So as a woman goes through perimenopause, if she's feeling more inflammation, if she's feeling more brain fog, if she's like, I hear so many women that are like, I'm not doing anything different and I'm just putting weight on. Those are all signs of possible insulin resistance because of the changes in estrogen. So for me, that was exactly what happened. I was like uh, running all the time. And this is where I started to really get my hormones in a horrible place because in order to bring the extra five pounds that was driving me crazy down as I moved into my 40s, I had to, I tried to work out more, which as you know, made it a whole lot worse. <laughs> so, um, so I had, fasting was an incredible tool to be able to get to the weight that I wanted to be and to help with the insulin resistance that could have been potentially happening in my body. But on the flip side of that, is progesterone and progesterone doesn't want you to fast. Progesterone doesn't want any cortisol spike. Progesterone wants you to chill out. And so how do you do both of those things? How do you, how do you pacify estrogen changes and progesterone changes? And that's what, where I came up with this idea of what I'm now calling the fasting circle, where we look at a 30 day menstrual cycle. And if you still have one, and you say, okay, from about day one to day 10, maybe day 11, and everybody's a little different, you go ahead and fast, you know, and at things like stimulating autophagy are fabulous for making sure that you keep the neurons in your brain working right. I've recently, and I'd be curious your opinion, your guys' opinion on this. I recently have been thinking a lot about the cells on the outside of the ovaries. They are actually really receptive to autophagy. And um, they're also really part of what could be potentially happening around the current uh, virus. There's ACE2 receptors there getting it that. So it's an input for viral uh, replication, which is a whole nother discussion. It's a whole other podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But you've got these organs that are very receptive to autophagy. So from day one to day 10, go for it. Like fast, do what you need to do. Now, as you move into ovulation, if you're still ovulating, um, I like to call it, I actually want to rename all the different phases. I'd like, I actually like to rename all the hormones too, because they're really hard to understand. And I think we should like make them more simple. Mm -hmm. So I call day one to day 10, the power phase. You could be powerful if you choose to be. You can go into the longer fast. You can stimulate autophagy. You can do keto. That's fabulous. But when you go into ovulation, I call that the manifestation phase because we're wickedly powerful as far as what we can manifest. Yes, you can manifest a baby during that time, but you've got estrogen high, testosterone high, a little bit of progesterone um, coming in. So you are articulate. You can multitask. If you want to like ask for a raise at work, you should do it during this phase. If you have a conflict you want to, you have with your partner, you should do it when you're ovulating because there you're such, you're a powerful human in those, those, that little window of time. But it also means you should probably fast a little different. You know, I think a, like a 15 hour fast is fine in that ovulation window period. Fine. I don't think you should go into a long fast, just like ride that hormonal wave. I believe during that time, you should focus on your gut a little bit more because you're making, you have estrogen coming through. So how do you, you know, focus on healing the liver and the gut so you can use that estrogen and then as we come out of that phase, you get a, like a four-day period where you can kind of fast again and do what you want. But as you get closer to day 19, 20 of your cycle, this is where progesterone's building and reaching its peak. You really don't want to fast. So um, more, I mean, there's great foods you can lean into, but you don't you don't really want to be in a long fast at that point. And that was, I only learned this by making the mistake because I'm like, if a little bit's good, a lot is a lot better. So once I learned fasting to help with insulin resistance and, and estrogen, I just fasted all the time. I never really thought about progesterone. And then I started noticing, oh my gosh, my anxiety is going through the roof. My body anxiety, I can't even like sit in my living room without feeling like a sense of dread and like something like that, like something's going to come get me. And then that's when I ran a Dutch test, saw my hormones were tanked and realized, oh, I'm fasting too much. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a rhythm around how, when we fast for women. And I think that's getting more conversation now in the public eye. Um, yeah, I think it's amazing to be able to tap into these conversations for women because it's, you know, like to your point, you know, everyone kind of has an experience of trying something and then it becomes everything. And then you have to kind of pick up the pieces afterwards. So hopefully people, when they listen to this, they can start to, you know, do it more appropriately right off the bat. Um, I'm curious about the genes though. Like you started this conversation about <laughs> genes. And we're, we're, what happened with the Hudson genes? Oh yeah. You know what? <laughs> Next time you see me, I'll rock those Hudson genes. I think they actually went, I think they actually went out of style. So I do have a pair though. <laughs> Everything comes back. Everything yeah. circles back. Well, I was I was kind of asking Nick. Make, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I was even making a joke halfway through like you know talking about the depression all the downswing it's like how much of this has to do with the blue jeans and how much of this is hormonal right <laughs> yeah but I'll, this I'll is why I, this is why i knew it was hormonal because i was able to fit in the blue jeans there so you, you know i it didn't give me the happiness i thought it would give me yeah. 
Surprise, surprise. That's yeah. the metaphor for life right there. Yeah. That's right. right? Yeah. I love all that you explained that that first half of our cycle, um, I call it the she power time. Mm. And, um, you know, because like you were saying that estrogen piece is so important for the brain and, and actually it's an appetite suppressant. Mm. If you think about it as women and when we're moving towards ovulation, the what's on the top of the mind subconsciously is to create a baby, to create an environment, to attract somebody. And so it's not really on digesting and eating and all those things. It really is just about um, getting ready to get the party on during that manifestation time that you were speaking to. So I love that you explained that because I really do think women need to anchor into that more um, in their menstruating years. So it gets tricky when women are on birth control. It gets tricky when there's other things going on. So I think the more you can tap into um, the regular rhythm and understand that, then you can look at your own unique picture and understand where you fit into that and how you can pivot things, would you say, to like understand yourself a little bit better and still support that cycle because we're still cycling no matter where we are, even as menopause. So someone that's perimenopause or, or menopausal, like you're saying, kind of bringing all of those together. So what would that woman do when she's not cycling? Would she follow the moon? Would she create her own rhythm? Like where yeah. do you see that showing up? Well, you know, what was so interesting is once I started to share like my journey and how I used fasting to match my perimenopausal hormones mm-hmm. that were kind of coming and going at weird times. Um, uh, there was two groups that emerged, the postmenopausal women and the women that in their 20s and 30s. And they were like, well, how do we match our fasting? So, you know, that's how we came up with, okay, well, let me help you figure out how to do it in a 30-day cycle. And then, of course, we got all these questions of like, well, but I have a 24-day cycle. How do I do that? So I've been trying to like come up with some kind of protocol that would help all of these women. And I finally came up with, okay, if we just do like, I call it a 30 day cycle reset and it's in a new book that'll come out next year. And, um, basically it's like, okay, here's a 30 day process where if you don't have a cycle, if you don't know where you are in your cycle, if you're postmenopausal, then you just start on day one and you go all the way through. And what we're finding right now, we've tested this out with a, a lot of our resetters is that it syncs people's cycles back up. And we actually have five cases right now of women that were trying to get pregnant um, and they followed this protocol and they, after a year of trying to get pregnant, 30 days of doing a cycle reset and they got pregnant, which is wow. really cool. So I, having saying all, said all that, I think the moon part of this is really interesting because right now I'm running a group of my postmenopausal women through this cycle reset and I asked the postmenopausal women to, to line up with the moon because most women, and I'd be curious your opinion on this, but a lot of women ovulate during a full moon. Mm-hmm. So what happens when we're postmenopausal? I mean, you're still, you've been sinking with the moon for 30, 40 years. Like you don't mm-hmm. just stop sinking with the moon. And you still have these hormones. They just don't show up in the same amount. So I'm now really starting to just dive into my research around how postmenopausal women can really map her lifestyle to the full moon. I think that's really intriguing. And you might, you guys may have already been doing this and thinking about this, but I think that's what we need to think about. Otherwise you just take a 30 day period. You know, we talk a lot about how fasting variation is done weekly. I don't, I think it should be done monthly. Mm -hmm. 
So that's, and that's what we're doing with the postmenopausal women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the moon, I think, you know, we were talking about in the beginning, how things shift in menopause, you become more um, internal rather than external. Mm-hmm. And that connection with the moon, it's almost automatic when you're menstruating. And when it comes to your menopausal period, there's this like sinking of your essence and the moon that happens because you're moving into that wise woman time. Mm-hmm. I think you become the moon, right? Ooh. So <laughs> so then, you know, that power really is there in that connection because you're going back to nature. Like you're going back into connecting to yourself and into what's important to you. And that piece of that really is that moon energy. So I think it's really important to sink to the moon when there is no cycle, because that will still create that rhythm in your body. Yeah. And, you know, we age different today than we did yeah under a century ago like everyone's living longer so before menopause would have thought you know you, you're kind of thinking of end of life almost right whereas now we know that's not the case yeah so if our hormones are declining like these things that you're talking about today are so important so that we can still keep our stores and our reserves they're ready and primed for these wise women years because just because you're going into menopause doesn't mean that you can, you, you're going to decline and everything's going to start declining. But I think that's the mindset that's been going on. It's really, it, it, that is really true. And again, one of the gifts of my platform has been to hear so many women talk about their menopausal journeys. There's, I mean, so many women that are feeling frustrated. They are, don't, they don't know what to do. They don't know what advice to take. And yet they're at this really cool moment in time because their kids have grown up. Um, they're moving into a whole new world and phase. Uh, some of them, their marriages have fallen apart. And now they're you know, stepping out into their own independence. But it's, it's such a time of transition. And if we were healthy going through it, I think we could really help women step into their brilliance at that moment. And yet we medicate it, we villainize it, and we don't talk about it. That's the other thing. No, like I found, I found that there are so many menopausal women that want to talk about it. And it is a really cool pivotal moment that should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering why do you guys think it's, it's not really celebrated? You know, what, what is it about you know, the last 50 years or what have you? Like why now? Why is it so important now? But why do you think it hasn't been celebrated? Go ahead. I, I yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, my initial thoughts are um, the messaging around women. So I will just tell you as a woman who's doing this naturally, like, you know, it would, I would sure I'd love if I could put Botox in my forehead and just make myself look like I did at 30. That would be amazing because that I would line up with society. And society basically says that as women age, they're not beautiful because they have more wrinkles. They might hold on to more fat. Um, And so from a visual perspective, going through menopause is not well uh, um, highlighted. Um, And then now we have a situation where with all the plastic surgery and everything, women can alter themselves. So I've actually really interested to see how I, I age because- I'm doing it natural and there's very few women that are showing what natural menopausal aging would look like. You know, there's a lot of Botoxed 50 and 60 year olds. So I think it has to do with our perception of what aging, aging and beauty, I think is a big piece. 
The other hard part is that I think there might be a lot of shame for women. Um, I, I have not been the best. There are moments I'm not the best, easiest person to live with as those hormones are changing. I'm easily agitated. Um, and I always, I keep thinking that there probably are a lot of divorces that happen as women go through, uh, menopause. And it, if, if you're living with a menopausal woman, woman, I'd love for you to understand that she doesn't completely understand why your breathing makes her want to kill you <laughs> or chewing, <laughs> yeah. breathing, oh chewing, walking, you're chewing, but walking. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> Anything. Right. I mean, like I, I have, I've really had to learn how to articulate how I'm feeling to my husband and then my son who's been the, you know, at home, my daughter is, as I've moved into this transition was out of the house. Um, but I've been really trying to say things like, I know that I've been a pretty chill, chill person about the cleanliness of the kitchen, but at right now, my hormones make me want to just lash out at you because you didn't do the dishes and I went off to work. I came home and the dishes are still not done. Like, you know, like having to articulate that because my hormones um, were uh, so, so not serving me well. And I think it's just has taken a lot of work. Whereas to your point, Nick, it's like, okay, let's just say what people think menopause is. I'm getting, gaining weight. I'm not sleeping. I'm getting more wrinkly and I, everybody's irritating the heck out of me. Like that's not really fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You really have to um, look in the mirror. Yeah. Right? And in, in so many different ways, your, your physical body is changing, your mental body is changing. And even like your, your soul body in a sense where the things that gave you significance up to that point, maybe it was children, maybe it was your job and like things are slowly changing and shifting and, and, and even in your ability to do those things is changing. So then you have to look at that um, transition as well, the yeah. grief around all of that at the same time. And then, you know, if your self-worth was tied to those roles and those masks, those things that we, you and I have talked about before, then, you know, there's a period of grief that's happening yeah. as well. So I think the reason why it's not talked about is because it's hard. There's like the shadow yeah. aspect of it that we're not talking about. And it's in every um, phase I find, you know, my sister and I were talking the other day about parenting and how hard it is in so many yeah. different levels. And, but all you see on social media is like, you know, it's so great being a mother and I cherish it. And we do, we love our children. And yet there are days that are just so hard. And in your mind, you may be feeling like, you know, did I make the right decision becoming a mother? Yeah. That doesn't mean you don't love them, but there's just so much shame around having feelings that aren't yeah. always positive. I just read a book and you guys need to bring this woman on your podcast. The book is called Burnout and mm. it's by Amelia Nagowski. She and her sister wrote it and they're like PhD neuroscientists. And in the front of the book, she talks about parental burnout. And I'm like, oh my God, did she just say that? Like, are we allowed to say we get burnout being parents? Like <laughs> nobody says that. Like, but she literally talks about why you get parental burnout. And I do think that the, the, the dark side of social media is you're looking at everybody's highlight reels. And so in these moments, whether it's parenting or menopause, it, it, we have created a culture where it's not okay to say I'm struggling or it's not okay to show up, uh, 
anything other than non-perfect, you know, it's like we all put on this happy face. So I think that's a big part of it is that we're just, it, there's not a platform to do it. Um, and that's what I'm honestly trying to do on my social media is be like, this is me, you know, in all the highlights and the messiness, this is me going through menopause. And I promise you, I will not ever show up anything other than authentically me. I promise you, I will not be Botoxing my forehead so you can watch me age naturally. Um, you know, those kind of things. I think we need more women to do that because it allows us all to just be okay in our messiness. Absolutely. It gives us permission. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think it's fascinating. We, Sonia and I had a conversation just briefly about this last night um, with regards to the fact that, you know, natural medicine or lifestyle medicine is it's the marathon and things mm. like, you know, Botox or whatever else that's, that's the sprint. And that's the quick results that we're so accustomed to wanting for ourselves. And, and it's not that it's right or wrong, but it's, you know, these things take time, you know, lifestyle yeah. medicine takes time and it takes maybe six months to, to fix the hormones or, or maybe longer yep. because you're doing those five things, you know, and detox doesn't happen overnight. Um, so on, on, on the side of um, still wanting to, you know, be beautiful and, and, you know, inwards, outwards, is there a, is there, what's your version of Botox? <laughs> That, yes, I have you, a version. Yeah, yeah. That you still that you that you want. I mean, because it's yeah. okay. There's nothing wrong with wanting to to be beautiful on the outside. Oh, great. And, you know. Yes. So Good what's point. what's your Botox? Yeah. So I have a new hack for my Botox hack, and uh, <laughs> I've come up with it recently, and I think it I think it's working. Um, so yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm doing the juve every morning, red light therapy, 20 minutes. So I have a, actually a morning routine that's really working for me, which is meditation and juve. Um, and so it's like calming the mind, calming the spirit, and then the red light therapy. Um, I've definitely upping collagen and, and that has been the most recent thing that I've added in, in like the last couple of months is just honoring the fact that I'm losing 30% of my collagen over these years. And so a couple scoops of uh, collagen a day, I've been trying to figure out how to map it around my fasting window. Um, so that has been tricky. Um, but so I've been doing collagen. The other thing I've been doing is I've spent so much money trying to find natural beauty products. And I recently have discovered the dermacolonizer, putting good probiotics mm. on mm. your face like that. And I, and I'll wash my face and put it on a couple times a day. And I really feel like I'm changing the microbiome of the fate of my face. I can see the coloring change a little bit. I don't, I, 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 you know, I wear a hat out in the sun. Yes, of course. But I also love the sun and I want vitamin D. And so I've noticed I just don't burn as much if I'm putting the collagen or the uh, colonizer on. Um, the other thing is I go back to the hormones that I need. So I was thinking, the other day, I'm like, just because I'm make, still making estrogen doesn't mean I'm metabolizing it and using it. So what organs do I need to pay attention to? And that's where liver and gut come in. So castor oil packs, I've been doing a couple times a week, uh, liver supplements, uh, some of the I've been tested, I don't know if you guys what your thoughts are on the um, the organ meat supplements, mm. but I've been testing some of the organ meat stuff out like the heart and soil liver supplements. And then I definitely notice a difference if I don't eat 
enough vegetables, my skin is so much drier. So Mm -hmm. I'm just obsessing on vegetables, vegetables, vegetables to help support the gut bacteria. And all of that, like you said, it's a marathon. I'm starting to feel like, okay, yeah, I feel a little bit better now. I feel like my skin is looking a little healthier. Yeah, well, you look amazing, like I said. Well, thanks, guys. Mm -hmm. Definitely (laughs) radiate, so it's all working. Especially with all those beautiful orchids in the background. Right? Yes. I've become, I'm I'm getting, you know, getting my hands in dirt by becoming an orchid farmer. Yeah. Yeah, all about the microbiome (laughs) from different avenues. I love it. Exactly. Well, it was great because that was one of the conversations we had before we jumped on was, to, to speak to all the, the beautiful greenery and, and colors that you have behind you. And, and, you know, to, to the point of, you know, kids leaving, you know, out of the home, how, you know, how do you fill your cup? And so that was one yeah. of the things, but if, is there other things that you've uh, been implementing that you feel is a little bit easier or more necessary now as a result of being in this next stage of life? Yeah, it, that's a real, it's a good question. And I would say the weirdest thing I'm having right now. So my son will go, my daughter's 21. She's already off living in Denver. My son um, will go off to school in the fall. And what's really weird is you guys probably, it's probably hard to even think about this where you're at, but just by being like, just now when Nick had to go and take care of your son, like just by being in the house with your kids when they're little, you're never really thinking about yourself. I mean, you have moments, but you're always like, am I going to eat? Okay, well, then what do the kids need to eat? And you're, am I, oh, I want to go out. Well, where will the kids be? What do I need to do to get the kids? So you're always thinking about where the kids are in reference to what you want to do. Well, when the kids aren't there, you're left to do two things, get to know yourself and get to know your spouse. Mm-hmm. And that has taken like, I mean, it's nice when you have two kids because you sort of, the first one goes and you kind of get, you know, you get a little practice with it. But as the second one's about to go, um, I've just really had to j- go back inside. I'm doing a lot more meditation. I'm finding so much more peace and, and um, serenity in nature. Um, I've, I've had to really go back to get to know me because so much of me I gave away to my kids and with happily gave away to my kids. But it's a really cool moment to sort of get to know yourself again and then to get to know your spouse again. So we are doing a lot of like, uh, like on a selfish level. So we bought a new car and we bought a fancy bike rack and our, our empty nest uh, uh, life is going to look like we live in a beautiful area where there's a ton of mountain biking. So we're going to mm-hmm. drive to faraway places and mountain bike. And so we've had to kind of come up with like, what are we going to do now? Kind of scenarios. We've thought about uh, where are we going to move to? We don't have to think about the kids as so where, if we could move anywhere, where would we move? So it really has created like an opening that we're just, it's very unfamiliar, but I'm finding meditation, nature, and just great communication with my husband is letting us sort of see that there's a whole new life that's emerging. And as that new life emerges, I get more and more excited. In fact, I'm like, it's, you know, Paxton goes off to college in September and I'm like, God, that's really far away. Do you like, maybe you should go now. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready. So, but it's a really cool moment to get to know yourself and your spouse again. Um, And I think the other thing is like the younger version of me 
was like, oh, I'm, you know, retail therapy. I'm having a bad day. Let me go shop, mm. you know, things like that. And, or let me go look for the next big experience. I don't feel like that. It's like, I just want to see life from a different lens because I don't have to think about where these children are every single day. Yeah. It's, okay. it's a cool, cool. You'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> blue jeans to freedom. Right yeah. Right. I'm past 10 years blue ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the blue jeans. Yeah. So, my last question for you, since we're kind of talking about future, is that if you were to project forward 20, 30 years and you see yourself, like where is that self and what gift does she have to give to you in your present time? The third, if she to give to me now? Yeah. Who? Um, you know, I am really clear that what brings me the most joy in life is serving others. And yet there's a way to do it that I don't lose myself. So um, as I get, to, I've been like this morning in meditation, I was thinking a lot, this sounds really deep, but I was thinking about the energies around us and how I have been so focused on the physical body, but what is my energetic body? Like, what do, how do I know my energetic body? And so I've been spending a lot of time reading books on frequency and listening to Joe Dispenza and trying to understand that. Um, but the, the, the 30 years from now, I know where I want to spend the back half of this life. And I plan on living to like 120 because I think the human body's meant to live to 120. So I want to prove that I could do that drug free. And, um, but I want to, I want to teach the world and women, especially how powerful they are. I want to keep empowering people. We live in a moment in time where in the last year we went from caring about our immune system to giving all our power away to media, to politicians, to big pharma. We went from waking up to going into the deepest slumber about our own internal healing power that I've ever seen. And I, that has to change. And so for me, teaching women about their, her hormones, teaching women how to fast, teaching people how to do things that don't cost money, that they don't take time, but help you understand your own internal healing power. I will spend the rest of my life doing that. And so I see 30 years from now, just more people on this, on this path with me. I see mm -hmm. a world where we are looking at lifestyle first, that we're turning within first instead of always turning without. Um, I see a world where disease is optional, where medication is optional. And that's where I want to spend the rest of my life really focused on. Mm, I love that. Great Amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll be there with you. Yes, we will. I know you guys will. I know. <laughs> yeah. I always say I can't do it myself. I, yeah. I really, I'm just, I'm really sad at how the world at this moment, how asleep it is mm -hmm. um, and women, and they don't want to be asleep. That's the thing that the, my platform I feel like has really helped me see is that they don't know what to do. They just turn mm -hmm. on the news and the news says one thing. So they do that thing. But then when you guys show up, when I show up, when many of our colleagues show up and say, but you're this powerful, let me tell you how you're designed. They go, oh, nobody ever told me that. Okay, well, what does that look like? So I think this is why we have to all be as out, you know, edu in an education moment as much as possible so that people, can, and especially women, women mm -hmm. need to believe in themselves again. Mm -hmm. Well, it starts at such a young age, right? When we're telling kids or we're telling them what to do, what to wear, how to think, all the yeah. things. And so you have to unlearn so much so that you can really recognize that power. That's there. Yeah. yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah.
Yeah, I love yeah. that you spoke to that. Yeah. I think that that was a really nice cap on the conversation of, mm-hmm. of just empowerment and the slumber is so true, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of like, you know, just to speak a little bit to everything you were talking about today was it's the slumber where we go back into our habits. Yeah. It's just what's the, what's seemingly the easiest thing that we could do for ourselves right now. And that's mm-hmm. to be in fear, be in frustration, ask, you know, um, think that someone's going to save them and it's mm-hmm. something outside of yourself. And it's this whole dialogue that we allow ourselves to believe. And, yeah. you know, and maybe it's us going back to that little version of ourselves that just wants someone to take care of us. And, and it's not that it's wrong. It's just it, that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. It's time to, yeah. Time to shift. I heard, I heard recently something that's given me a lot of peace, which is when a paradigm is breaking apart, it's the loudest. Mm-hmm. And right now, the old paradigm of health is really breaking apart, and it's incredibly loud. Mm-hmm. And so we have the opportunity right now for a new paradigm to emerge. It's very much like menopause, right? Like, I know I have an opportunity to get to know my husband at a deeper level. I have an opportunity to get to know myself, my energetic, my physical, my spiritual self at a deeper level. I'm really fascinated right now about nature. A friend told me about a book called Overstory about how the Mm -hmm. trees communicate with each other. I'm like, oh my God, I want to go read that. Mm -hmm. Like it's an opportunity because my old paradigm of, of mom and of who I was has, is, is breaking apart and a new one is emerging. Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah. So it's a really cool moment if you if you step into it and ask the right questions, just mm-hmm. like what we could do as the world right now, we could ask, where did this vi- how did this virus become such an issue? Why is the world so immune compromised? It, was there a different way we could have done this? Like these are all things that the menopausal woman can ask herself, but that the world needs to ask themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and in that, something new can really emerge. And that's mm-hmm. what I really plan on spending the next 30 years doing is helping that new emerge for people mm-hmm. because humanity, as you guys know, is on a collision course and mm-hmm. it needs a different approach, but not everybody's waking up to the fact that it's on a collision course. Yeah. I heard uh, Valerie Kaur, she's a lawyer and an author, say once in one of her speeches that um, when we're in this, when we're in darkness, it's like we're in the darkness of the womb, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're in there, there has to be a rebirth, like there has to be light that shows up. So it's like, I think that's kind of where humanity is right now. We're in the womb of it. And especially mm-hmm. of Mother Earth right now, because she is, has been screaming out to us for a long time. And now I feel like we're in that dark space ready to to rebirth again. So everything that you were just speaking to. Yeah, it's a good analogy. That's a good analogy because Mm -hmm. you're in the darkness and then coming out is not- It's not easy. For the baby and the mom, it's not easy. (laughs) But then there's the the coming out that is joy. And I think that as a society is what we have to think about right now is that we're in, yeah, we're in the darkness. It may get a little more painful, but if Mm -hmm. we stick with it, then the what's on the other side of it is so mm-hmm. could be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been spending a lot of time in meditation, just visualizing the world I want to live in and then speaking about the world I want to live in instead of villainizing what keeps showing up on my newsfeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's Thank a powerful you. message right there. I mean, that's, that's, that's tapping in that metaphysiology, you know, that, that which is beyond this physical form where, we're, you know, as Joe, is it Joe Dispenza says this form follows flow, right? So yeah. what if we all had that, held that meditative mind of, 
of a, of a brighter future and, and, you know, embodied that in our lifestyle practices, you know, nurtured ourselves with, with food, with the movement, with their, you know, loving relations, all of those things are going to make that future more meaningful, but also more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you, Mindy, for everything that oh, you do. Oh, I love you guys. My sister and yeah. being our mentor, all of that. Absolutely. So we love you so much. Thank uh, you. Well, thank you guys. I Like I could sit here and just chat with you all day. <laughs> I just I just love not only how you guys show up, but just who you are and how people feel when they're around you. So um, I think we're all on the same energetic vibe and just love you. I can't wait till we can hug again. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Air hug right now. Right. Um, until you're but, out, until you're, we're all out of quarantine jail. Exactly. Yeah, jail. Yeah. Uh, before we go though, so you got the, the book is coming out or the, the book, book is, is just, a book is out, the menopause reset. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone can go to where, where, to tell us where. Yeah. Where Amazon, Amazon, you can go to the menopause reset book.com there's, and it has all the outlets there. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, so it's out, it's available. It's meant to be one of those books you can pick up, devour in 24 hours and off you go. So I'm really pleased with the, the reception it's been getting. And then the, the fasting manual, we, uh, we're still working on the exact title, but it's written. It will be uh, a fasting book for women of all ages to understand how to fast according to her hormonal cycle. Mm-hmm. So that's coming, it's coming soon, but um, it looks like it'll be 2022 early. Yeah. 2022 yeah. so i love it once Don't you get those author shoes on it's going to be expected that every year yeah. i know <laughs> so i actually have i actually have the vision of another book and um sonia this one will be right up your alley um i want to write a book of like a, a love letter from a grandmother to her granddaughter mm-hmm. about what she learned about being a female i love that yeah. Right. I, and yeah. I, I sort of see it as like a fable. I've never yeah. written, you know, fiction, but I'm, I'm, that's, that's oh, what's burning on that's my heart. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think we could really, one thing that I see in our Academy is you've got these postmenopausal women and now we've got some like 30 year old women and they're giving each other advice. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just sitting back and going hormonal advice is what they're giving each other. And I'm like, this is so cool. Like mm-hmm. we, these postmenopausal women have so much to offer the younger women. Mm-hmm. How do we create some, how do we help them unify with the younger generation? So grandmothers, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super cool. So, so oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, so good, Nindy. So, yeah. so good to connect. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe. 